Hello and welcome to the Bulwark's Next Level Podcast. Uh, thanks for being with us. Rate and review and subscribe and comment and do all the things you're supposed to do on the Apple Podcast. You know, give us a little boost up the ratings ahead of Tim Pool and the Pool Cast. And you know, one other thing before I get into it, we, we, we don't really know what's happening on Twitter. Things are getting a little shaky over there. A lot of high debt load, uh, a lot of shit posting. So we're trying to cultivate some new communities. We got a Reddit, a subreddit at The Bulwark that's doing pretty well. Come join us over there. And I think today is the last day, maybe one of our co-hosts can correct me, of the $8 Twitter apocalypse um, Bulwark Plus uh, deal that we're running. So if you're it not, it is the rem- last day. It, it is, is the last day. last day. I haven't introduced you yet, but if we are, uh, today's the last day. <laughs> and so if you are not a member of Bulwark Plus, let's do it. Eight dollars. That's a good deal. You can yell at us in the comments all the time. We have a very active comment section, uh, and you get some secret podcasts uh, that I'm not on as well. And uh, if you are a member of Bulwark Plus, you know, give the gift of of never Trump cuckish holiday spirit to a friend or a loved one uh, this year and, and give the gift of Bulwark Plus. So uh, today's pod, you might notice if you're watching on video, is uh, my best, very old, longtime friend, much longer than she's been friends with JVL, Sarah Longwell, publisher of The Bulwark. It's true. Hi, Sarah. What's up, man? And uh, our other co-host today is Sonny Bunch in for JVL. He's got the sniffles, I guess. I don't know. He's, he called in a little sick. Uh, I don't know. He's had, not sure how bad it was, but uh, he wasn't, he wasn't going to gut it out like Sarah did last week. Uh, so JVL is on the bench. No Willis Reed for him. And Sonny has graciously been willing to be torn away from there's some kind of athletic endeavor that is happening right now, I guess. I, I was not even aware of until Sonny mentioned it, and then I started getting a lot of texts from people. I don't, I don't understand. What the, I don't even know what's happening. What is it? Well, uh, well, if, if the United States manages to get through to the knockout round, it will be solely because you ripped me away from the TV screen. It's like kind of a reverse jinx type situation? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I'm kind of, I guess I will say I learned enough in the two minutes before, search, before getting on this podcast to know that I think I'm rooting for Iran. The Iranian soccer gentlemen seem very handsome, and they were, they were protesting their government. They were protesting their evil government, which I appreciated. And they're barely they, protesting they didn't sing. their government. They didn't sing. Come on. There wasn't enough of protest. I they're guess mostly. Taking, they're not taking they're a not knee. They're not kneeling. They're not taking a knee. <laughs> uh, I would love I thought to that see. Was how we, I thought that was how we had to protest all governments. Do you take the knee? That's a great point. If they took a knee, I would be for them. I'd, mostly, I just am tired of getting the texts from people like, yay, and fly, and just uh, having them pretend like they care about the, the f- soccer match, which I don't think that any of my friends actually do. So there's that. Um, but So we'll move on from that. I'm sorry if I offended any of our very passionate fans of European football. Um, who listen to this uh, podcast? And we, I want to start today since JBL's out. I'm in the, you know, I'm running the show here. So I thought, I don't know. I, we, I figured we'd just pull up the bulwark.com and maybe decide to, to talk about whatever the lead article is today. Who's that one by? Oh, Tim Miller. Um, this one looks good. A letter to the Ron DeSantis fanboys from a real never Trumper. The backstory on this is. I've got very tired already. We're, it's very early in the in the process. Uh, Donald Trump just announced what two three weeks ago he's running for president, and I'm already being lectured by Ron DeSantis supporters about how I need to get on board with their man Ron if I want to be a real true Scotsman and a true Never Trumper. And um, I couldn't handle one more person telling me to do that, and so I, I wrote them a nice letter, uh, letting them know how I plan to engage in the 2024 campaign with regard to their man Ron DeSantis. If you haven't had a chance to read it, the gist of it is I find him to be utterly contemptible uh, and I should not be expected to do anything to actually prop up someone that ran the creepiest television advertisement in history in support of America's worst president. Besides what I asked of everyone else, which is if it comes down to it and if my vote is the one that matters. I would vote for Ron DeSantis over Donald Trump. I would not write in Edmund Burke. If it did come to that, I would be willing to do that. And as a bonus, I will be willing to compliment Ron DeSantis if he ever shows even a scintilla of balls and criticizes Donald Trump, which to my estimation, he's not done a single time, not even when he tried to overthrow the world's longest running democracy. So that's I, I thought that was a fair offer to put on the table. I've not heard any of them accept it yet. I don't know if they want my support um, for their candidate. But guys, what did you think? I know Sarah probably hasn't read it. Sonny, neither of you probably have read it. So based on that description, what did you what do you think about my 
uh, my offer. I read it. I tweeted it. Also, Sonny, welcome to Tim hosting. I don't know. You don't actually have to be here. He's he's got it. He will talk the whole time. <laughs> How many you minutes know? are we in? <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go turn the game back on. I'll be right back. I, I read it. I tweeted it. Uh, but Sonny, if you'd like to take your first crack, I have strong feelings on this. But you go ahead. Well, I. I have strong feelings as well, but feeling number one is shouldn't all of the Ron DeSantis fans want you personally, Tim Miller, to slag Ron DeSantis? Because that is like the best case scenario for Ron DeSantis, right? Like the best case scenario for Ron DeSantis is to have Tim Miller out there every day saying, I hate this guy. I don't like him. He's not my kind of Republican. Uh, no Ron DeSantis. I mean, that that is I mean, that's the reverse bank shot, you know, uh, super, super secret double probation game here. Right. Isn't that isn't that how you should be playing if you want Ron DeSantis to win? You would think that. But that's not as satisfying to allow me to do that uh, as part of a triple bank <laughs> shot as it is to insult me and say that I'm a grifter or whatnot. Uh, well, that's uh, also uh, fun. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Insulting Tim Miller. So insulting me was better for the Ron DeSantis people. Then yeah, I agree with you. They should not. They should want to run an ad of that intro, that five-minute intro would be a long, expensive ad that I just gave talking about <laughs> how terrible and contemptible I find Ron DeSantis. That'd be something that I think would do would help him probably in a Republican primary in South Carolina. They could run it on Newsmax. But uh, no, they're not doing that. Sarah, what was, your, what was your reaction? The thing is, is that the anti-antis, they really want to box us in on DeSantis because they think it gives them sort of a, a moral upper hand by saying, see, you're just against every Republican. You weren't just about Trump. You guys are just people who want to go after all these Republicans. And, and you know, Ron DeSantis is obviously better than Trump. And here's what I, I agree with you. Ron DeSantis is better than Trump. And in this particular way, Donald Trump tried a coup. Ron DeSantis has not tried a coup. <laughs> Therefore, Ron DeSantis at this moment is currently preferable to Donald Trump. That being said, the idea of forcing us into a binary right now in this moment, uh, a mere two weeks after Donald Trump's fall, his election deniers went down in flames, all of whom Ron DeSantis campaigned for. He campaigned hard for Kerry Lake. He stumped with Doug Mastriano, which, by the way, is actually Doug Mastriano. Most people did not. Like most of the Republicans didn't go so far as to go stump with Mastriano. But DeSantis did because DeSantis is quite gross. And when you say Selena Zito's out there running Josh Shapiro fan columnist and, and Ron DeSantis is even bucking that. Yeah. And what I liked about your piece is I think you identified why it is so important to this crowd of people that DeSantis be somebody they can support, right? It gives them a way. And this is this is the difference in the environment. It's like, I think this is, is actually, there, it is a positive thing and it is an important dynamic shift where for the last seven years, the anti-anti sort of maybe Trump energy has had nowhere to go. And as a result, it's basically just <laughs> aimed at us, right? It's like they calibrate, they've had a special potion, some little number things they put their thing something into a little uh like a calculation about how many times they need to kick us so that they can uh have like one criticism of Trump right to make sure that they're on side on the team DeSantis right now like this is a good day these are good days for them because they can both be for DeSantis they can also be against Trump because you right now you can be against Trump because you are pro team I am pro Republicans I am pro winning Donald Trump has lost three times. You hear this. This is Mitt Romney. This is where everybody is right now because they can. Mitt was a little better. No, Mitt, Mitt is better. I don't. I just mean yeah. I heard him come out and say this thing about the losing. Yeah. Right. Lots of people. They have a lot more to say about Trump as the person who has lost three times in a row than they do about Trump the coup man. Yeah, sure. All of that is bad because it indicates a real rot, but it is also good to have affirmative anti-Trump energy out there from all of these people, and we should encourage that. But what I won't do is play the game where, like, I have to be for Ron DeSantis as my way of being against Donald Trump. I can be against Donald Trump as well as the forces he has unleashed on the party which Ron DeSantis is one of the main manifestations, right? He's one of the main manifestations of a the combative style of politics that people now crave because of Trump. He imitates him. He's a simulacrum. The ad you're referring to is one in which he is with his small children. His baby is in a Trump onesie. He is reading the art of the deal to his baby son. He is building a wall out of blocks with his daughter. It is the grossest, most insane thing I've ever seen. I remember not knowing who he was and seeing that commercial and being like, what lunatic is this? And so- Groomer. You're a groomer. Yeah. So listen, if Trump is as weak- Right now, if he is weak enough that Ron DeSantis can really challenge him, then he is weak enough 
that better Republicans than Ron DeSantis can also challenge him. This is okay. So this is where I want Sonny's take on this. Look, this is my this is my short key point, which is, you know, I hear I hear you. They're all, they're all saying, oh well, if you really hate Donald Trump so much, we don't want to redo what happened in 2016, where we had a bunch of people dividing up the field and, and allowing Trump to sneak through. And I, like, there's something to be said for that, even though Trump won a bare majority almost in 2016. So I, I, there's not a lot of evidence that that was actually the reason that Trump won. Uh, I think that he would have won head-to-head against any of the umpteen people that he ran against. But but there is a circumstance where dividing the field could help Donald Trump. But we wouldn't, you wouldn't want that. Okay, But that's a calculation for like fall... 2023. Yes. Right. When the polls are out and stuff like we don't know if Donald Trump, they're simultaneously saying Donald Trump is so weak that he has cost us all of these easily to win elections. And he's down there in Mar-a-Lago desperately sucking up to a teenaged white nationalist and nobody likes him anymore. And all of his momentum is gone and he's a big fat loser. And so our only choice is to hand it over to his number one ball fluffer. You know, as his successor. To me, that doesn't make any sense. I think that that's probably true, right? It's probably true that Ron DeSantis is the best case position person to win a Republican primary against him based on what you've had done in the focus groups and all that. But like, history is contingent. Who the fuck knows what happens in the next year? Donald Trump is unraveling before our eyes, right? Is it not possible that Brian Kemp or Asa Hutchinson, two like strong social conservatives, it very much in the mold of, of, People that have won Republican primaries in the past, people that just won somebody just won a competitive primary in Georgia, could not conceivably win a primary. Somebody that has just like has acted with one iota of decency is that not possible? We have to the National Review has to fucking scare those people off already at Thanksgiving of 2022. Like, no, fuck you, fuck that. No, am I wrong, Sonny? Well, I, I mean, I understand your point in theory. Uh, I think in practice, look, I'll play, I'll play the Charles C.W. Cook role on this on the show. Do, I like do Charles. You have, Charles do, you have an, do you have an accent? Can we do it? Can you do it in an accent? I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, you would have to get me in front of a British person for about five minutes for me to, for me to slip back into my British accent. But I, I will play devil's advocate here in the sense that 100%, you're right. It's entirely possible that any manner of things could happen to Donald Trump over the the next, you know, 18 months that radically reduces his support within the party. That said, he is still he has a nub 35 percent rump part of the party that will always be with him. Pretty big rump. And the trick is to find somebody else who can get, you know, what, 40 percent of the vote to get everybody else. And if that's what if if all we're trying to do is find the guy who can get the 40% that can get the rest of everybody else to coalesce around him. That's very clearly Ron DeSantis right now. Like I love Larry Hogan. Larry Hogan should not run for for the GOP nomination. I didn't suggest Larry Hogan though. Brian Kemp just won 60% in a in a Georgia governor's primary. Asa Hutchinson was the head of the NRA. Brian Kemp would be great. I, I Brian Kemp seems like a seems like a great guy. Would would happily uh support him. Asa Hutchinson, I like, you know, you you've run campaigns, Tim. You've you've been on campaigns. You know how this sort of thing works. A lot of losing campaigns, yeah. You have to coalesce support early around a person to line up fundraising, to line up constituents to line up uh, endorsements. You you have to get those people early, get other people out of the race, get everybody behind one guy. And the sooner you do that, the better you the better shot you have at winning, unless you have a force of personality like Donald Trump who can just kind of bowl over all of that. Is that true anymore, though? Joe Biden was right place, right time, had no support, no money, no anything. And going into the South Carolina primary, he was dead, except for he had black people, older black people. And James Clyburn, like, carried him to uh, to a win. at the. He was in the right place at the right time. I just, we don't know this. If you're trying to lecture me as an ever-Trumper and get me to suck it up and support somebody that I don't love everything about them and say, we have to all coalesce, we have to create this big coalition from the never-Trumpers all the way over to the soft MAGAs, then okay, at least try to sell me on somebody that did not run a Donald Trump sycophant campaign. And like it is not like literally imitating Donald Trump's mannerisms and his entire political ideology. Like I give me some, you have to give me something in this deal. If you're saying, Oh no, you don't get anything. Then, okay, then that's fine. I don't get anything. I'll go, I'll go, I'll be for Joe Biden. That's fine. I, I get nothing. All right. So, so you go, you do Donald Trump number two 
and and good luck. We have to separate out being the, the primary from the general. I don't think there's any contradiction between being for Ron DeSantis in the primary and then voting for Joe Biden in the general. I think that's right. I do think that's true. I think you can play this game in stages. And I think for people in never Trump world, we will play this game in stages, right? Because I, I am in an anybody but Trump camp. So anyway, I, I agree with this. Kanye. Wait, no, 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 no. <laughs> but here's where I disagree with Sonny on the you have to consolidate early. I don't think that's true. Well, here's the thing, and this is where I would push back on Sonny in a totally different way. Doing the focus groups, Ron DeSantis with a bullet. First name. Trump doesn't run. Who do you want to see run? Ron DeSantis. He's got the highest name ID besides, I guess, Mike Pence, but nobody wants to see Mike Pence run, although I guess he's going to. By the way, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Literally no one asking for this race, uh, but a thousand reporters call me doing profiles because his team relentlessly tells them there's a path. I don't know what it is. But anyway, I am not convinced that Ron DeSantis is a good or talented politician. I am not convinced at all that Ron DeSantis, when faced with Donald Trump, doesn't has got a notoriously glass jaw. He uh, is apparently bad with donors. I, I don't know if you watched his debate with Charlie Crist, but like he looks physically uncomfortable the whole time. He smiles awkwardly. Like, and so the, why do people like him? People like him because over the pandemic. They thought he was the one that you would constantly see YouTube clips of, like, yelling at teenagers in masks, yelling at the media, yelling at Disney, calling people groomers. That allows – it's really a spokesperson, but he's got that energy, and so people see clips of that, and they like that. That is a very shallow, superficial sense of who Ron DeSantis is, and I think that's the kind of Scott Walker early energy or even, no offense, in like, Jeb early – that can, like, fall apart really fast. I just think, like, we don't know these candidates very well. And, like, look, I think that Nikki Haley has been a totally pathetic nothing. But, like, she's now going to run. If you're thinking about the degrees of badness, Nikki Haley, to me, is more acceptable than Ron DeSantis. And so, like, I want to be for the most viable candidate who can defeat Trump, who's the furthest away from Trump in who they are. And, like, I'm waiting for that. And I, t- I will do what I can to manifest that. Sarah's out there just like at the end of Coachella, just kind of lining up the urinals for me and just having me like walk in, like lining up the porta potties and just having me walk in there and try and sniff each one of them and determine which one is the least, least offensive before I decide that I have to live in there for, for 12 months. And I don't, I don't enjoy, I don't enjoy this process, I guess is what I'm saying. But sure, I guess that, that, that Nikki's porta potty smells slightly worse than Ron's. For me as well. Slightly um, less bad, you mean? Slightly less bad. Yeah, thank you. Slightly less bad than Ron's. I'm trying to follow your analogy, an analogy. here. So. You had to get through the whole thing. I was like, is he getting the urinal <laughs> tested to go in it? I don't understand what's happening. They all smell bad is the short of the metaphor. Point being, Ron DeSantis is awful. He's done nothing that would appeal to somebody like me. I obviously won't like anyone like him. And I and I don't want to be lectured by anyone about the fact that never Trumpism requires supporting a Trump clone who like who's actually been much meaner to gays than Trump ever was. Uh, just as a nice little side bonus. So I'm I'm a hard no though. I will if 15 days. This is what I'm saying. 15 days before the California primary, I will have to re-register, and I will do that. I will not do a Ben Sass. So I read the article. I will not wait until afterwards and say, oh, by the way, I voted for Ron DeSantis. 15 days before the California primary, if it's only DeSantis or Trump and they're having a battle of the Titans ish and, and it's a close race, I will do it. I will do it. I'll write an article for the bulwark.com that says, I hate Ron DeSantis, but I'm, I will vote for him because he's better than Donald Trump. But I just don't understand what, what, like, why at Thanksgiving of 2022 anybody needs to do that. Ron DeSantis might totally flame out. Donald Trump might totally flame out. There's a year and a half left. Who the fuck knows what will happen? I, 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 I do not believe that whoever it will be, I'm not under the false impression. I listen to Sarah's focus groups uh, that like I will like the Republican nominee in 2024, but I also will not be berated into into uh, thinking that it's inevitably it has to be Ron DeSantis, which is just the most convenient thing possible for Charlie Cook, which I understand. Yeah, I mean, I'm embarrassed for these people who carried all this water for Trump and now think that like they have some moral high ground with the DeSantis thing. Like it's a ridiculous argument. The the that National Review piece where it was like talking about how terrible Trump was and why people needed to move on for him. I was like, boy, this guy sounds bad. 
Sounds like anybody who carried water for this guy should probably probably get their judgment checked. And I hated one other thing, one other right, just because this is a Sarah Longwell suck up. Another thing that I hate about these fuckers is is that I have to get lectured on. Oh, well, you just want us to be Democrats. You just want us to vote for a Democrat. Bullshit. There were a ton of options to get rid of Donald Trump. That, that where the option was a Republican, where Sarah was out there leading the fight. We could have impeached and convicted his ass and had Mike Pence as the president the first time. They could have impeached and convicted his ass and had him been gone and had Ron DeSantis at like 70% in the 2024 primaries right now. They could have recruited a better challenger in the 2020 primary that was probably a loser, but we really didn't know at that time. Like It could have been better. Sarah went out there and tried to recruit a primary. Well, they all fucking sat on their ass and ran, and ran cover for Trump and just like would write one mean blog post from time to time so i i had to take off my beanie i'm getting it's just it, it gets me hot it gets me i just hot. i just want to say as a closing of this before we move on that the, the, the accusation that is the stupidest is the idea that like we want to keep trump around like i can't tell you, you how much i, I, mean, I well, want him to die so bad I, you have no well, idea how much i want him to die i'm not i i as a matter of principle whether it's you whether it's jvl i do not wish death <laughs> on people don't want to strap anybody to rockets but I want Donald Trump and all of his forces eliminated from the earth um, and have no interest in him sticking around. And I, like Tim, will go on the record saying that if I'm given a binary choice, I will do what it takes to defeat Trump. I will vote for Ron DeSantis. I will support him in a primary. Does not mean I will support him in a general election. This is what I find so kind of annoying and masturbatory about this whole conversation is that I think that's true for literally everybody at the bulwark. I think everyone – I don't think a single uh, person here – would would refuse to vote yeah, for Ron true. DeSantis if that was the choice. If that's like, all right, it's DeSantis or Trump. While I understand the argument that we have to get behind DeSantis now because it's it's also you're right. I mean, it is. I, again, I was playing devil's advocate earlier. It is still it is way too early. I, there's no reason. There's no reason to shut down all of these other options. And if you know Brian Kemp decides to get into it, and people are able to to support the you know. Uh, cuck sellout, uh, you know, who threw Trump under the bus and whatever. Uh, okay, great. I don't know. I mean, we'll, we'll see. And speak of my last point on this, speak of masturbatory, not only do, does our opinion not matter one bit to JVL's triad today about how it's the popular, it's a populist party now and the Republican voters are in charge, but the national views people don't, don't matter one bit. And if you look at that Emerson poll that JVL put in that triad, which I recommend everybody reads. It said, I think 79%, I'm going from memory, I think 79% of Republicans that poll said that they see themselves as MAGA. At some level or another, they see themselves as MAGA. So even let's say it's a little high margin of error, let's call it 70%. This is an argument between 30%, right? Like This is an argument within the, within the 30%. It's not an argument within the people that even have a plurality power to actually win a primary. And so... Uh, you know, so it's a total just circle jerk of of people that don't matter and have no and will have <laughs> very little influence at the end of the day over who is actually the Republican. Nominee. Well, to quote to quote somebody else, it's not my party. Right. Like this is like the, the GOP, not not really my party right. anymore. And like I, I still probably support Republicans on 70 percent to 80 percent of policy things. But like. I, the the twenty and thirty percent is real is real hard for me, and they're the things they care the most about. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the twenty percent is the things that most of the Republicans yeah. care about. Okay, Sunny, any final thoughts before we start talking about your bedroom life? What? Because I do want to start getting into what's happening in the bedroom for you. <laughs> what? Um, uh, I would like to uh, ask you a little bit. Welcome uh, to the next level. This uh, this holiday season, uh, you know, we are talking a lot about gifts and gift exchanges, and I, I wasn't really planning on getting you anything, but. One thing that came to mind is what 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 are you doing in your sheets? What's your sheet situation? Is it like a sandpaper? Is it a Walmart purchased brand? What how you how, is it still the sheets you have from college? Got got the Target sheets, I guess. Still got the Target sheets. Have you been listening to the next level? Have you been listening at all to JVL talking about the supple sheets that he's uh, sleeping on? You know, JVL has a lot of proclivities that I don't necessarily <laughs> subscribe to. So I, I'd rather get Tim's take. Let me tell you, I'm fancy, uh, but I'm also lazy. <laughs> and uh, and so I, like Sarah, uh, had long, you know, had some sheets that had been around for a while. Okay. Uh, I hadn't really upped my sheet game that much as an adult. I was sticking with the ones that, you know, my mother probably bought for me when she came to furnish my home on one of the campaigns. And uh, and I'm sure those were fine. But let me tell you, when I got my Bull and Branch sheets, boy, big upgrade. Big upgrade. We're a few months in now, and uh, and the sheets just keep getting better. Um, I had to go. I was uh, I went to see some 
I saw some Bullard people in New Hampshire and Massachusetts. I did a book tour. I don't know if you know that. I wrote a book. Uh, and uh, I was stopping in a few colleges, and they put me in some some hotels. I was at a true Hilton. They need some work on their sheets. Okay, big downgrade from the Bullard branch. <laughs> Very noticeable. It was impacting my sleep. So I just think something, maybe a gift for yourself, maybe a gift for your wife. Maybe you could put it on your list. I don't know. Do you guys do secret Santas in the bunches? Do you do a secret Santa? Sonny, here's a great idea. Get it as a gift for your wife, but it's also a gift for yourself. Well, I, I don't know. I, do you do Secret Santa in your house? I don't. Secret Santa is like a thing you do at work. We do, see, do you, you know, like my brothers you, and my parents and my in-law. Like we do it. The adults, so we don't buy we don't buy a present. I don't buy a present for my mom and my dad and my two brothers and my sister-in-law and my brother's boyfriend. Right? I just we we just the among the adults we do Secret hmm. Santas. We just buy one good gift. For the other adults. Is that not how no. you guys do it? No, that's not how we do it. You gotta no. buy for everybody. I love all yeah. of my family members. <laughs> not okay. just the name well, that gets picked out of they're, they're, all get, they're all getting sheets. They're all getting <laughs> sheets this year. <laughs> and you have many more presents to buy. So would I recommend to you uh some bull and brand sheets? It helped it has helped me uh get a better night's sleep. I do have to tell you that. And right now you can get twenty-five percent off site-wide plus free shipping when you use the promo code next level at bullandbranch.com uh give a better night's sleep to everyone on your list with bull and branch sheets that's bull and branch b-o-l-l-a-n-d branch.com promo code next level offer ends december 4th uh, i want to move on from sheets to nazis How's that? Great transition. Okay Very you. smooth. Uh, thank you. I'm a. I'm an. Old, I'm not like Charlie. I don't have as that many years under my belt as far as the nice transitions uh, in radio. But I'm uh, sure I'm the sheets. Good. I'm uh, sure Bolton Ritz is really happy that you just went right <laughs> from there uh, to the Nazis. I'm sure that they. But there's a contrast. <laughs> Very strong. It's a very strong contrast. The ad Sheets portion nice. of this podcast Nazis is over, bad. by the way. Yeah. Sheets. <laughs> Sheets good. Nazis, Nazis down here. So, um, Nick Fuentes, I want to partially, it's noteworthy, to back to our DeSantis conversation, that, that somehow Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, even Josh Hawley, though it was really a bad condemnation, Brian Kemp, Mike Pence, somehow all of these people have been able to say, you know what? Dinner with Nazis. Not great for me. Don't think we should be doing that. Probably, if I had my choice to have a dinner with a Nazi or not have a dinner with a Nazi, I would not have done it. It seems like a low bar. Ron DeSantis. Haven't heard anything from him on that front, even though the Nazi dinner did happen in his state. So I think that's something that's telling uh, when you when you think about forcing me into supporting Ron DeSantis. But um, I'm wondering what you guys think. I mean, my main takeaway is that I have a takeaway and then a question. The takeaway is, this is way worse than people realize. Like, this is literally like George W. Bush having, or Bill Clinton having dinner with David Duke when they after they're finishing president. Nick Frentis is ridiculous, but he's the most prominent, really, white nationalist leader, I hate to even use the word leader, but whatever, head of group in the country right now. And it is fucking insane and outrageous that a former president would let this person have dinner with them and then not full-throatedly, if it wasn't actually an accident, which is absurd, like full-throatedly condemn it and, and make very clear that this person is fucking Nazi scum. So that's one. It's worse than people think. And, and the second question, though, is, okay, given that, what do we do about it? I, I do feel a little gross about giving this little twat the attention that he wants. So what, what are your take on those two uh, points, Sarah? So the first thing, uh, I just want to say this dinner, I, I, I haven't quite, maybe you can tell me, so Kanye brought Nick Fuentes, right? Correct. Yes. Yeah. So Kanye, I presume, so Kanye goes there, and I actually think this part is funny. Kanye went there to invite Trump to be Kanye's vice president. Okay. So like, think about the, think about the turducken. Diversity on the ticket. Think about the turducken of absurdity. <laughs> this is like, this whole thing is. Uh and and so Kanye's there, brings his what Kanye new to the very outspoken anti-Semite community, having some sort of a mental break with reality, but also fused infused with a great deal of anti-Semitism, uh, finds another anti-Semite who I don't understand having a black friend, uh, because I don't think that's how this works, but this is part of the way, weird way these guys sort of hide their whole white supremacy thing is they are, uh, they, they, they make bonds with other anti-Semites, um, I guess. Okay. Uh, cause you know, also Nick Fuentes is, doesn't think women should have they the have right to vote. What? There's a little slack. What do you mean? It's like an anti-Semitism slack, and they just kind of added Kanye oh, on, and that's oh, how oh, they, I thought you were sending me a message in a slack. <laughs> no, that's um, how they communicate. 
But also, like, Nick Fuentes doesn't think women should have the right to vote. He's advocated beating women, brutality against women. But Marjorie Taylor Greene speaks at his white supremacist conference, as does, uh, you know, mentally unstable man, but Republican in good standing, Congressman Paul Gosar. Um, Anyway, so, like, it feels like this was Kanye sort of setting Trump up a little bit. Um, But, of course, Trump, for his part, Trump is happy right now to consolidate the QAnons, the anti-Semites, the fringe oath keeper, Grace, because he is trying to hold on to a base of voters, right? And if you can get, you know, it's not like, a QAnon is pretty fringe. Maybe the like really engaged anti-Semite white nationalists are kind of fringe. But like you add them all up and, you know, you maybe you can get to about 20, 25%, which is, you know, he's trying to hold on to everybody he can right now. Um, what, to me, what's interesting is the way people kind of go through their motions, right? So Donald Trump's motion is to try to, do the most outlandish thing he can, continue to like, you know, it's just Mexicans are thieves and rapists. Uh, you know, he's he's been doing this. this. It is shocking the way so many of these things are, but like he's also been this guy for a long time. You know, stand back and stand by. Dude is bad. Dude is racist. Dude is happy to dine with other racists, outspoken racists. But then like the little, like the, the sort of the way that people go through the motions on the con- condemnations, they're like these little press release condemnations. Like mostly what Republicans are still doing is trying to ignore Trump, right? They're like ignoring the insanity of his existence because like Mitch McConnell condemned, said there's no room in the Republican Party for anti-Semitism and people who like what? Something like support anti-Semites or so I, he says something he didn't say dine with, but he didn't say Trump's name. Right. These guys don't say his name. Right. And also there's a little room for anti-Semites in the party like Paul Gosar and Marjorie Taylor Greene are both about to get their House committee assignments. Right. And he goes and McConnell also goes exactly to your point earlier about immediately the second part of the sentence is and I don't think someone that does dine with them can become president. Right. So it's immediately about the the sport of it, the politics, the oh, this is going to hurt us in the polls. It's going to hurt him in the polls. He shouldn't do it. Right? Like it is just it's very rote. I don't know. Sonny, what is your what's your take? What's your media? You haven't even talked about the best part of this, which is the return of Milo Yiannopoulos. Oh, yeah. He's the campaign. He looks terrible. We had the well, he's always looked. I mean, he, he I don't think so. I think that he's really disintegrated, like his soul and physical appearance are are going the same or blackening. At the same I can't rate. I can't speak to his soul, uh, but I feel like he's looked. I mean, I he, he does. I, I'm not sure he, he looks much worse than he did uh, on the what was it? The faith militant uh, shopping network. Or whatever, when he was hawking. I've the, got some more. The, I've got some more coming on this. Down the the, line. the interesting thing here to me is this traveling circus of nut jobs that is kind of making the rounds around the country with Kanye. That Donald Trump is welcoming into his house because solely because he's like, I would like to have dinner with Kanye West, who is a famous person who is here to pay tribute to me. He thought, and you can get past every. I mean, this is the this is this has always been the fundamental idea of Donald Trump is that all you have to do is flatter him in the least and pay tribute to him and he will be your friend, whether you're a vicious anti-Semite or uh, the leader of North Korea or a Chinese autocrat. It doesn't matter. A Russian strongman. You could be you could you could be talking about liquidating Ukraine and and Donald Trump's like, "Yeah, he's he's always said nice things about me, so he's fine." And that's I, like that just exposes the whole game. What what is interesting to me is really weirdly how little play this is getting in the rest of the media ecosystem. Do you guys feel like this is getting under talked about on CNN, uh, MSNBC or whatever? So this is, I want, I actually wanted your take on this. I I don't know the answer to that question, right? On this one level, this is absolutely horrible and without precedent in American history that maybe not in American history, but without precedent in our lifetimes that a president would meet with a hate leader upon leaving the White House. So in some senses, that should be a front page New York Times story, right? Like that should be the banner headline, former president meets with hate leader, right? Like, yeah, I, you know, if I, if Obama met with, you know, I don't, I don't even want to know what a hypothetical would be, you know, some fucking foreign, you know, radical hate leader after his presidency, I think that would have been a big, that would have been a lead story. Same with any of the other foreign presidents, but we treat Trump differently. On the other hand, like what does Nick Puentes and Milo and Kanye want? For us to talk about them. Right. 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 And we're doing that. So like on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like maybe it's getting the right amount of coverage. I like what's your put on your media criticism hat. What do you think about that? I get the sense that this is largely being I, it's not being ignored, but it is being very underplayed 
in the mainstream press. And frankly, I think that's the right call. I mean, look, I do think that deplatforming these people has a very positive impact on the amount of attention they receive, right? I think Donald Trump is now Amen. basically background noise because he has been taken off of Twitter. He's not in everybody's Twitter feed 17 times a day. Even the retruths, right? They get they get screenshotted into Twitter and they kind of disappear. Nobody pays it's not it's not headline news. It's not breaking headline news on CNN every time he talks. I think there's been a there's been a very explicit decision to de-emphasize what he does. And I think that kills him much worse. I think the media more generally not talking about Kanye West is actually uh, having dinner with Donald Trump is actually worse for Donald Trump than having dinner with Kanye West and then having everybody talk about it. Because if he's in the news all the time and the focus of all the attention, he all of the energy is drawn to him. And taking that away from him is like kryptonite. Sarah, front page of the New York Times, should it have been on? Should this this be, should we be mad? I, I don't know. It's a tough call. I, I sort of agree. I sort of agree with Sonny that one of the lessons that the media seems to have learned, right? So I saw this with the New York Post. The New York Post used to clown Trump back in 2015, 2016 as a way of, of beating up on him, but they'd clown him on the cover. Now they say like Florida man on page 26. You know, when he announced for president, they said, like, Florida man announces for president or whatever on page 26. They are trying to deny him the oxygen. And I agree with Sonny, it probably hurts him more. That being said, that is all of us reacting to a very specific dynamic with Donald Trump, as opposed to addressing the historical significance of a the most recent past president dining with a white supremacist, which has really grave implications for where we are culturally and who, what we're tolerating. And so, like, it depends on what our goals are, I guess, right? Are our goals to acknowledge that we're in a really dark place where uh, a president can sort of, without incident, dine with a couple of white supremacists? Or is our goal to try to make sure that Donald Trump is not president again? I'm sympathetic to both. And I think that, by the way, I think that's a really great point about like what this kind of impact it has for a former, the, the most recent former president to dine with white supremacists, what it has on the culture, because it's a it's a moral and cultural point, but it also is the political point that now gets lost that Republicans don't even have to debate amongst themselves whether they should be more harsh against it for the medium term concerns of the Republican Party too. You know, like Toulouse the school is almost all kids of color, right? And I just like think about the eighth graders or ninth, you know, the ones that are politically aware. Like, are any of those kids ever going to vote for a fucking Republican? Would they ever consider it? Like, like, no, like they're like, this guy is meeting with a white supremacist. Like that is what the Republican party is to them. He's the leader of the party. And then what about how welcome do they feel in the country? They're like half the country voted for somebody that's going to like Dying with someone that is a white supremacist feels like something out of the history books, like a white supremacist. Why do we even have fucking like we have white supremacists now? And and so like that does have a real impact, I, I think, that gets into the water table of everything that gets ignored in the conversation because like we, we get so hyper navel gazy on on like the, the minute by minute Twitter impact. Of it. Um, I want to go to speak. That's a that's a nice clean transition into the Republican autopsy. Uh, firstly, quick update from the European football match. There have been no goals since we started 40 minutes ago. Same score as it has been. There's not a lot of action. Not a lot of action in that sport. They've been kicking back and forth. I'm. I have. I have it off of my screens. I'm trying to ignore it while we're okay, talking about. This, I'm just so. letting you know. We've had 41 okay, minutes where they've thank kicked you. it back and forth, and nothing has happened. <laughs> um, Sarah. Uh, the autopsy, a couple interesting things. Well, they don't want to call it an autopsy, obviously. Uh, so that's one thing. Um, uh, another thing that is of interest here, this postmortem, um, it's designed to bring in new voices and guidance on matters like outreach to minorities and suburban female voters. That's That sounds familiar, kind of like an autopsy I worked on a decade ago. Um, the people they involved, I think is kind of interesting here. Uh, Katie Britt, Alabama senator. Smart white woman, uh, Monica De La Cruz, Texas Rep elect. I don't know a lot about her. Uh, the panel will also include former Arizona Senate candidate Blake Masters, who, in the wake of his loss, has called on the party to move on from consultant one size fits all strategies. It's interesting. It's an interesting person to include. Blake lost by five points in a red state with the creepiest ad campaign this side of Ron DeSantis. 
What do you think about that, Sarah? Do you have any autopsy <laughs> tips? I mean, I just I think it's good to bring in Blake Masters. He has a lot of good <laughs> tips to offer. One, don't say nice things about the Unabomber. That's not good. Uh, you know, don't be like a weird mega robot. Don't take a don't criticize big tech while being primarily funded by big tech giants uh, and bankrolled by them. I mean, he's got he's going to have lots of advice, lots of lots and lots of not to do's. Well, um, you've you've done uh, you're kind of a one woman, you know, focus group and strategy. What, what, if you are in the, that advisory council, any anything any tips for Ron or Romney? Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? I mean, this is what's funny about this, right, for you is that you were on the last <laughs> autopsy after Mitt Romney won. And they basically, they were like, okay, here's what we got to do, guys. And you know this better than I do. You can tell me if I'm characterizing this properly. Here's what we need to do. We need to be nicer to, like, ladies and minorities mm-hmm. and, like, do Hispanic outreach, like, lay off some of the social conservatism stuff because, like, the gays are popular now. And, you know, this is how we're going to do better with the suburbs, better with Hispanics. And then Donald Trump came and, like, you know, used that autopsy as toilet paper while he ran this, you know, populist nationalist effort that demonstrated that actually you can call Mexican rapists, you can say Muslims aren't allowed in America, and people will like you more. Uh, And so then everybody was like, okay, more of that. We're going to do more of that. And then after doing more of that for a bunch of cycles, they were like, actually— that might not be working. And so now they're like, new autopsy to find out how to make ladies and minorities like us again. Ladies <laughs> like us again. And you, you, you ready for the cherry on top of this? I was I was going off a screenshot on the on the uh, Blake Masters thing. I hadn't I hadn't scrolled down to the bottom of the article here. The point person on this review, actually, uh, those those folks I just mentioned were just part of the, the panel that they were bringing in. The point person on this review, Henry Barber. Who was on the same autopsy I worked on with him ten years ago? Henry Barber will be leading it, uh, and the best part is his co-lead will be Harmeet Dillon, an absolutely insane attorney who is has been part of like the Carrie Lake Blake Masters Arizona midterm election was a fraud legal effort. That is. Uh, that's something. So uh, this is their effort to fuse. This is a few. This is the new fusion, Sonny. It's like we're going to take the people that invite that did these suggestions ten years ago, and we're going to fuse them with some election deniers and see if what you know, see if they, we can't get us some what pop out. out. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely, I the the inclusion of Blake Masters on this thing, it has to be some sort of. Uh, handout to Peter Thiel or something. I, I, because I, there's no universe in which it makes any sense whatsoever. I, like he ran behind the generic Republican in Arizona. I mean, he ran behind, every, he ran behind Carrie Lake. He ran behind everybody. Like there's nobody he was better than in like the most, what is arguably the most purple state right now, Arizona, right? Like he is objectively a terrible candidate. And it's he's, a pink state. It's actually like slightly redder than purple. It's like pinkish. He's he's just a terrible, terrible candidate. I I, I don't understand. Uh, so yeah, the treasurer candidate. This is my favorite stat of the whole cycle. The Arizona Republican treasurer candidate who had like no brand. Literally, if you were like running a non-player character Republican with no personality of any kind, as or, or no real campaign, that she won by ten points. Okay, it's like generic Republican won by 10 points. Blake Masters lost by five. So he ran 15 points below probably like what he would have. He is just a, I sound, I, I have an annoying voice. I'm terrible uh, at all sorts of things. You do. But when I watch those awful campaign videos where he has that whole serial killer vibe, like go into the trunk of his car and putting the silencer on his pistol, like how on earth, how on earth is this a guy who you look at and you're like, Politician of the future, right there. Well, I think I can answer that question. If you're the person in charge of this is Ron Romney, who, as best I can tell, has overseen a disastrous midterm, a disastrous presidential reelect, and another disastrous midterm, and and I guess she's going to be reelected. You don't think Lee Zeldin has any shot against her? I mean, the My Pillow guy doesn't. Our show's getting long, and I have one other topic to get into. It's been a good show and a long show, so I'll just keep this quick. But uh, there are 168 votes. And so it's very, this is very different than a lot, than other elections, right? Like it's an inside game. All these people know Rana. She's been doing favors for them. She's been throwing money to their party committees, right? And so she's got a lot of this wired. Mm-hmm. Um, was the election bad enough for her to get 
overthrown for Lee Zeldin. I wouldn't say 0% chance, but I just think that she's got that a big advantage over somebody who just kind of lost a governor's race coming as an outsider. Um, but but maybe. Maybe. Who knows? Um, okay, final topic. There is a uh, runoff election on Saturday. And uh, that's happening in Georgia. I don't have any deep thoughts, really, except for one thing that really jumped out to me, uh, which is that so far among the early vote, there have been about 11,000 people that voted who did not vote in the midterm, which I think is an insane stat. It's 6% of the total electorate so far did not vote in the midterm. Of that group, 60% under 30. You know, you can overanalyze uh, early vote data and all that, but I, I think that regardless of of that, you know, it's, it's at least at minimum a good sign for Warnock. And um, it's a little bit jarring that so many people did not turn out to the midterm and maybe the democrats who look at the fact that like man had a few thousand house votes switched in six states they could have held on to the house they got to feel a little bit, a bit not great about the you know not maximizing their young youth turnout um so it's kind of a little bit of mixed news but but you got to feel like you're in good shape if you're warnock huh? yeah so wait but let me just tell you like a quick anecdote about the youngs uh so i wasn't sure so we we had to prep focus groups prior to the election not knowing how it would turn out and so one of the groups that we fielded ended up talking to was in georgia no in georgia. just in general this is the midterm but we did one with young people who didn't vote. That was one of the groups that we fielded shortly after the election. Um, and we ended up not doing much with it because turnout among young people was decent. Uh, and there wasn't like a big, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a super interesting point. But I'll just say as a quick thing, like they all were super opinionated about politics. They all like are totally they hated candidates. They felt strongly about things. And it was all like, well, my car didn't have gas in it. And like, uh, you know, I well, I meant to do it early, but then I didn't. And then the day of I was busy <laughs> it was like that. So I just wonder, you know, for and, and, and they had like and they felt super strongly about it. So I do. Uh, maybe these are the people who are getting their second crack at it. That's fascinating. I want to can we for Bullard Plus members, can we get a super cut over Christmas of all the focus groups that just hit the cutting room floor? I didn't. I didn't realize. I do have a lot of. I didn't realize that we have yeah. so much good material out there. Sonny, you know young people. No, I don't. Oh right, <laughs> you don't know any young people. I'm only, okay, I'm only any a other year younger than you guys? Any I, thought, like... any, I'm, I was a, I was a joke. You're, you're, you might be you're younger than us, but you're a de- decades older in spirit. Um, yes, I was just wondering if you have any, any other final <laughs> observations on Georgia. The uh, Herschel Walker's candidacy. <laughs> I don't. I don't have any. I don't have any special thoughts on Georgia. Uh, then we're, then we're going to go to Sonny for um, uh, a quick entertainment segment to end the podcast because Sonny is our entertainment editor. What's your culture editor? What's your culture actual editor? Title? Technically, culture, yeah, editor. Cult- culture editor. He's got some good podcasts on culture you should watch. Um, I would like for Sonny to give us three movies that we should watch going into awards season to, to bring some value to the next level listeners. And then I'm going to close us off with a culture anecdote of my own. Option number one, a movie called Tar. I've talked about it on Across the Movie Aisle. I reviewed it. Uh, it, it stars Kate Blanchett as a, uh, a lesbian uh, conductor of a symphony who finds herself into getting into trouble with the... You piqued the, Sarah's interest. <laughs> She's staying now. I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it's a movie about the internal life of women. And I... I and you, know, you hate Sarah, it. You Sarah hate often it. yells at me about not liking these movies. My my number one or number two movie of the year after everything, everywhere, all at once. Second suggestion for people to watch a movie on Netflix. It's a French movie. It's called Athena. It, I, I say it's a French movie. Don't worry. It's like very. It's very action oriented. It's you know. It's uh. It is a. God forbid it just be in French with subtitles and have a good plot and be. No, that would be terrible. That would be terrible. Um. Uh, check that out. Good chance it'll get some foreign language noms uh, or maybe just cinematography. It, it has some great uh, long one-take scenes. Fun movie. You should check it out. And my other two options, I'm going to go more mainstream on these because I do think that this is a year you're going to get some of the bigger, more popular movies see a fair number of awards, uh, at least nominations. Um, so if you haven't seen Top Gun Maverick, you should. It's on VOD now. It's going to hit Paramount Plus, I think, December 22nd, something like that. Or it's going to be back on IMAX ahead of Avatar The Way of Water. That movie's going to get a ton. You're shaking your head, Tim, but that movie's going to get a okay, ton. Of- that's fine. I'm not going to watch Top Gun. You okay, what's go the other see option? Top Gun Maverick. Good movie. It's a good movie. You should go see it. Tim, it's so enjoyable. Yeah, it's I don't understand like why you fun. wouldn't want to see it. Uh, and the other option is Elvis. I think Elvis is going to be a low-key, sneaky... I just watched Elvis on streaming. It's excellent. It's, it's And I found out that Elvis wore makeup. I didn't know that. 
Okay. Elvis was, was a little gay. You know, he had some nice eye, eye mascara. Well, this is the Boz Lerman interpretation of... No, no, no. I Googled to see if it was true, and it was true. I, I used Google. Oh, the after, internet told you it was yeah, true. Yeah, the internet said... The internet said. <laughs> but both Baz and Google told me, so that's okay. two. If, if someone knows all to all, then let me know. I mean, I'm but sure he good, wore makeup because he's a performer. In Vegas. Uh, but no, I, I would say those two movies are, uh, I think I think Elvis is a sneaky, like, uh, long shot, but not that long shot, best picture contender. I think I think the older uh, Academy viewers are going to be very into it. And it's shot. I mean, Tim, you're a young person. You really like, you felt it was full of energy. And I know. loved Elvis. I thought it was better than the adult and John movie and the Queen movie. Yeah. Like totally. other ones kind of in that space. I thought Elvis was surprisingly good. Well, this is great. I haven't. I don't. Why? Why I won't see Top Gun? And maybe I'll watch it on my TV. Is because I have a four-year-old, and so I don't get to watch movies, and so I really have to choose wisely. And I did go see everything everywhere all at once, but I, you know, I, it's hard to get to the movies. I'm not going to waste one on Top Gun. Um, but having a four-year-old, one thing I can do is watch prestige TV at night after they go to bed. And so I have been watching White Lotus. Have you guys been watching White Lotus? Just so you don't do shows. I've not. Uh, Sarah, what's your White Lotus take? So I watched the whole first season, loved it. Excellent. Uh, I've been watching the second season. I'm only a couple episodes into the second season, though. This one just... You I, like it better or worse? Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. I But I, I don't think I'm deep enough. I don't okay. think I'm deep enough. Well, I, I have to tell you, I was liking it. Not quite as much season one for me, uh, mostly because I loved the gay hotelier in the first season yes, and the woman. And this one is a little less interesting for me. Um, and uh, the teens are a little less interesting in this one than Sydney Sweeney was. Uh, but there's some good stuff happening in this season. I, Aubrey Plaza is unbelievable. Why is should, Aubrey Plaza so good? No she should she's be in amazing. everything. And her dress in this last she episode. She is, basically. Okay. She's, in, she's in almost everything. Love her. Well, she's going to win an Emmy, I think. Um, it's really so, good to see Christopher Moulton. Santi again. It is nice to see Christopher again. So here's the here's though. I do have one little anecdote I'd like to end this with. So this week, my father-in-law and mother-in-law were were staying with us for Thanksgiving, and we had a plan on Sunday night, which was as culturally appropriate. They were going to watch Yellowstone downstairs in the living room on the big TV, and up in the bedroom, we were going to watch White Lotus. You know, uh, they are West Virginians who you know are in the Yellowstone demo. We are gay millennials in the White Lotus demo. Uh, we started Yellowstone too late. We didn't have it on DVR, so they couldn't watch it. So his mother goes to bed to read her book. Father says, well, I'll just stay up and watch the show with you guys. Whatever you guys are going to watch here in the living room, White Lotus comes on. I don't want to have any spoilers, so it'll just be two very basic spoilers. The uh, opening scene is has a prostitute's boobs, uh, and she's getting, she's getting sexed. And uh, so that's how the, it opens. Uh, the episode ends. Well, I, I don't want to give a spoiler. It was with another very graphic sex scene. And throughout the episode, I would say 70% of the dialogue in the episode is about who's fucking who and why. And I got to tell you, n- not great content to engage with your father-in-law. Um, I, was, I, was, I was turning red. At the end, in the final scene, I was staring straight ahead at the scene. As soon as it ends, I immediately go, you know, I'm immediately like, so who do you think who do you think dies? Right? I'm like, anything <laughs> to talk about something else. Like, what how about, how about them cowboys? I, I just I was like, let's change the subject. Hear about this Nick Fuentes? <laughs> it was Nick Fuentes, it was extremely awkward. So I, I it's a good season, but I, I just I wouldn't recommend in-law over the holidays, White Lotus, if, if you're new to it, it's not something to watch with the in-laws. Would be my piece of feedback. Um, this has been quite a long show, I think. What do you guys think? Yeah, we're good show. Good though. show, long show, as they all are. Good show, long show. Sunny, thank you for checking in. Do we have a final score? Is the is the is the European football match over? Let's look here. I'll oh, go, like it's don't still tell going. me. I'll go look out. I'll go find out for myself after same we turn score. Off, so we'll... Score is the same. <laughs> um, guys, thank you all so much <laughs> for being with us. Hopefully, JVL will be back next week, and uh, I'll be on Charlie's Pod on Friday, and. Uh, We'll see y'all next week. See you then. Bye. How does does JBL end this? Peace.